Hello, I'm Eric David, and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. Joining me, as always, are Nathan Staples and Adam White. And Liga is back in action tomorrow, but before we look ahead to the weekend's matches, a brief recap of the Coupe de France and Coupe de la Ligue action. In Group A of the Coupe de France, 6-tier Poitiers-Servier remained the lowest-ranked club in the competition after beating 4th-tier side Drancy, while Lorient shocked Nice with a 2-1 win. In Group B, Rennes thumped Biarritz 6-0, while Marseille benefited from a controversial goal to defeat Toulouse 2-1 in extra time. In Group C, Monaco were given all they could handle by a scrappy AC Ajaccio, but managed to advance, while Lyon beat Montpellier 5-0 with Nabil Fekir notching a goal with three assists. Finally, in Group D, 5th-tier Saragamine stole the show with a 2-1 win over Ligue 2 Reims, and PSG beat Bastia at home 7-0, Julian Draxler marking his debut with a goal. In the Coupe de la Ligue, Nancy turned in a composed and energetic performance to, to hand Nantes manager Sergio Conceição his first loss since taking charge of the Breton club. Monaco beat Socho on penalties in a thrilling encounter that saw the host lead most of the way before a late equalizer by Joao Moutinho. Yesterday, Bordeaux gained a bit of redemption after some recent mediocre results in the league as Gaetan Laborde notched a brace to lead the host past Gangamp 3-2. In Paris, Metz gave a spirited performance but were no match for Paris Saint-Germain, who won 2-0 with Thiago Silva heading in a pair of goals from corners. That's all the news for now. To stay up to date on the latest transfer deals and rumors, please follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit us online at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. And now, gentlemen, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your holiday breaks. Uh, we're going to delve into the weekend ahead. So let's start with tomorrow's match. That's uh, Saint-Étienne and Lille. Uh, Lille have been in good form since the arrival of Patrick Collot, but they are suffering from a raft of absences, both from the Cup of African Nations and injuries. Now, Adam, should Collot stick with his new look, 4-2-3-1, in the absence of Naim Sliti and Munir Abadi, and potentially Nicolas de Preville, who is included in the squad but is not, is not set to start, or should he shift things tactically to accommodate an altered roster? Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a, uh, something that Collot is going to have to think about before the game tomorrow, because... They've been playing that 4-4-2 quite, quite nicely, actually, since he took over with Benzio sort of been out of the team under Antetti for a long time and, and missed, a, you know, sort of 10, 10 or so games and then started the next seven once, once Colo has come in and sort of that end of that, that Antetti period. So, and he, he actually played quite well. I've never been his biggest fan, but I think he kind of suited the system in a sort of almost 4-2. It was a 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2. It kind of worked. He sort of played off Ed um, which I quite liked. It was quite attacking. It was quite refreshing. And Lille looked Lille looked like a good a good attacking team, which is which is uh, been unlike them in, in recent seasons. But uh, in the cup game, um, with those absentees of you know Abadi, as you mentioned, Basuma as well as someone that's an option that they could have used off of the African Nations Cup. They're actually I think they're the most represented league and club in the African Nations Cup with five five players going. Um, they played that that four two three one with Ronnie Lopez in the middle in the cup against Excelsior and. Uh, uh, last weekend, the the the, the, the side from the Rover Union Island who, who made it that brilliantly far in the in the Coupe de France, um, and and they looked obviously it's you know a lower position than they used to, but it looked good. And I like Ronnie Lopez in a central position with with wingers and a striker ahead of him. I think he's a really talented player, especially in Liga and his first spell at Lille. Perhaps before he moved on, he was really really effective in, in that position and definitely his best his best role. So. Um, I think he gets the best out of him. So in that four-two-three-one, especially if Benzia, who's also you mentioned about the Preville being possibly not fit to start, it could be a similar situation with Benzia, who's been who was injured for that game too. So perhaps if Benzia's fit, I don't think he's the greatest player, but it kind of works in that system. But if not, perhaps the the the, the four-two-three-one with Lopez in his best role um, is it may be the best for Colo for this game and perhaps going forward too. 
All right, Nathan, turning our attention to Lever, Cincinnati have just won, won just twice on the road this season. Look to set, look set to start Nolan Rue up top in the absences of both Alexander Soderlund and Robert Berich. Uh, Rue provides a more mobile approach to Lever's center forward situation. He's been a consistent performer in Liga. Is, is he deserving of more time this season? Nathan? Can you hear me at all? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, so, so, sorry. Okay, I'll carry on. So, um, it's, like you mentioned, it's the best of a bad bunch, really. I think um, he's probably deserving more of more time when we have seen him. Like you've mentioned in the question, he is a little bit more mobile, especially this season. He's he's been linking up play quite nicely, but and. You look at Alexander Soderlund and he's not really done enough to to push himself ahead of the other two. Robert Berich, it just can't seem to stay fit, Berich, even though when he does play, he does seem to score. But it's a problem area for Saint-Étienne full stop. I mean, they've scored 18 goals all season. That's it's by far the worst total in the top 10. And it's really the defence that's keeping them afloat. So it's something they're probably still going to look into. But... It gives no, uh, it gives Rue a chance, especially with those two out for the time being. It gives him a chance to try and stamp his mark, although he's had plenty of chances before, it seems. But like you mentioned, he's had he's had spurts in league on with with Lille and, and such, where he's gone on little moments of form where he scored for the five games in a row or so, and so he's capable of doing that, and they've shown that. And I think he fits the system a little better than Sutherland would do, and and Berich is maybe a bit more static, which restricts those creative players around them because they're they're struggling for form as well so yeah he maybe deserves a couple more chances since he's shown that he can bring the other players into the into the attacking game a little bit more but it's certainly an area that Santetiano are going to want to strengthen over over the winter period if that's possible so speaking of of strengthening i'd like to incorporate into our little previous section also speak about both clubs uh transfer dealings thus far uh, so, Adam, coming on to you first and looking at, at Leo, what does this team need uh, to improve upon? What's been a, a better season since since uh, Colo's taken over? Yeah, it definitely has been. I, I think, although I mentioned before they've been in a, a more attacking team under Colo, they still lack goals. Like, when you think about Ed Air, like he, he's not the most prolific of strikers, but I think they, he does serve a purpose. I think without him, they look considerably worse. I remember them starting without him. He was rested out for the first few games under Andinetti when, because he obviously did fantastic well at the Euros, as, as we all remember very well. Um, and he had a brief extended break and he didn't play the first few games. And they looked completely devoid of a focal point. Um, but I think if, if it's possible, that perhaps they need a striker who's going to offer a little bit more goal threat. I think he's a good target man. He, people play off him well. And, and, you know, allows runners beyond him. And, and he, he works hard too. I, I do like him as a player, but they, if they're going to be pushing for Europa League places, which is where this club see themselves, they need a striker who's going to give them 10, 15 league and goals a season. I don't know if Ed is that man. So if they could find a striker, I know Andy Delors being linked with pretty much every single club in France over the last couple of weeks. Perhaps there's a striker out there who, who could provide that, like Andy Delors, that they could they could get hold of. And if they keep the 4-4-2 formation, perhaps that person, that striker could play off Ed Air and it may work a little bit better uh, along those lines with the two strikers and they get the best of both worlds maybe. So if I was Kulo and if I, if I was um, the, 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 the hierarchy at Leo, I'd be looking for a, a striker that's going to get me goals. They're, not, they're very rare in league and so I think Mets have had a, done a brilliant piece of business getting Diabate and they keep him fit. He's an actual goal scorer in league and so I think Mets, uh, sorry, Mets Leo could, if they can find a similar sort of player, that would be great for them. All right. And Nathan, talking about St. Etienne, they've been linked with the likes of uh, 
Wanderson, the Ludogorets player who we saw against PSG, uh, and also uh, Romanos Andrini. So obviously the idea there is a winger. Uh, would you agree? And is there any player you, you would think would be a good target for Lever? Yeah, I think they're interesting targets. I mean, we've seen Wanderson a few times for Ludogorets, and I think he looks a, a decent player. Is it maybe a bit of a risk? Um Possibly, but it's also one of those sort of cheaper deals that really might really pull off for a league on side because they, the likes of Hamuma's been in and out with with injury. He looked a little bit better just as, at the close of the um, the first half of the season. He looked a little bit better. So did Tanan, who'd been really disappointing for the first twelve to sixteen games. But he he was getting a little bit better. So maybe that's just an area they need more covering. Kevin Monipake is a good player, but he's not really fulfilled as good a role as he has done in the past. But I, I still think goal scoring is an issue as well. And <laughs> he's already been mentioned by uh, by Adam, which is uh, Andy Delore has been linked with every other club, but it, it's been most strongly to Santetti. And I think he'd be an excellent fit. Um, I think his mobility and his ability to link with those creative players who are struggling out wide and get them more involved in the game and in attacking areas. Like I mentioned that Rue does, but he's a, he's a bit less of a, a, a deadly goal scorer than Delore has proved to be in Liga. And so... Something like that, if they can pull that off. Obviously, this is a difficult window to do anything, really, but it's certainly in those attacking areas that um, Santantino are worried about, rather than the midfield still looks good, the defence is strong, we've got an excellent goalkeeper. It's definitely those forward places. If they want to move it closer to those Europa League places, they they need a striker or, or, or possibly another winger if they can bring both in. Yeah, I mean, for, for my, myself, I think it's a lack of goals from that those wide positions. Mane, Peke and Amuma you know, have that dynamism, have that creativity. But if you look back to St. Etienne's best, best seasons, uh, thinking about Gradel being played as a winger slash striker, someone who cuts from inside and was able to score quite a bit of goals and really stretch play in front of a solid defense. That seems to be the type of player that they need. And personally, I really like the, the link to Wanderson. He, he shouldn't be too expensive. He's, I think, 28 or 29. He's not the youngest, but he's shown against the likes of Arsenal and PSG that he has the quality to do this, um, even against tougher opponents. So... We'll see what happens again. Saint-Étienne, you know, are a club that aren't exactly poor. They do have some money to spend. Uh, they, none of their players have been linked with a move away. Uh, so I don't know what sort of transfer money they'll be they'll be bringing in. But uh, it should be interesting to keep an eye on Lever. They've definitely underachieved given the talent they have at the back. Uh, and they should look to do a little bit better, at least domestically. Uh, turning our attention now to uh, Toulouse hosting Nantes. That's on Saturday. Both teams are hoping to get back on track after recent losses, not in the Coupe de la Ligue. And, to lose in the Coupe de France, uh, not look bereft of ideas against Nancy midweek. And Adam, was that just a moment of lack of concentration against a really well-organized opponent? Uh, not or kind of unused to playing the role of favorite? Or are we already seeing the end of this new manager bounce from Conseil? Yeah, indeed. The thought occurred to me as well. I think one thing that definitely needs to be said about that game, where you're right, they did look devoid of ideas. Not, but Nancy have been fantastic in recent recent times. We mentioned before about Angel Carrera. Um, being a bit of a tinker man, both in our column and on on the pod, Eric. But I think I, I hope it isn't. I mean, Alonso, a club I like, but it could it could easily be that kind of end of the new manager bounce. Four wins in a row under under Sergio Conceição was really impressive. They looked like a much more organised, much more hungry side. I think they kind of disappeared under Gerard a little bit. So it's really nice to see them back, sort of in the groove, if you like, and they're they're better players playing well. Salah was great in the last couple of games. Harit's been fantastic all season. But it's just whether whether that new manager bounce is, is, is now over. 
Um, in terms of whether they look bereft of ideas and whether that's going to continue, perhaps it's just that's possibly just down to Nancy looking like a very, very well organized type team and, and one that struggled at the start of the season but could possibly possibly stay in in league and relatively relatively comfortably now i think for not going forward it's a similar a similar situation to across the league they need to keep scoring goals they, they didn't score uh in that in that quarter final uh, during the week um and and looked like didn't really look like they were going to score so i think in terms of the transfer window if they can get a striker who's going to score goals that would be great they've signed they signed pardo which i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about in a second so they, they are strengthening but you would hope that after only four games, Conte Sao's still got a lot to offer. He's, he seems like he's really got in amongst the players. They're working really hard. They have the shortest um, Christmas holidays of any team. And he's I, over the until the end of the season, I think he's sort of um, banned outside uh, viewers to the training sessions. So there's no public training sessions because he wants to work on tactical things. I only think he's taken the squad by the scruff of the net. So hopefully that game against against Nancy was just coming up against a very well organised like wall defensive wall, and, and it it won't. Be a, a lasting effect, and we'll see uh, Constantine continue to have an effect because I think he's a really exciting character to have in league, and so I really hope he does well. Um, but it remains to be seen whether whether that that effect will will, will continue. Right, Nathan, turning our attention to the lose, getting back to full fitness after some injury issues over the last six weeks or so, uh, they will probably feel aggrieved not to have taken Marseille the penalties of the weekend, and they've also welcomed back Oscar Trejo after um, about a month long. Uh, absence. Early season form has definitely slipped, but could a win against not get them back on track, or is this slide starting to be irreversible regardless of injuries? I think that the, a win against Nantes will be will be great for them, but I, I I don't see this slide starting to be irreversible in the terms of them dropping all the way down the table. I think that they're in roughly where they will finish, which is around that, between ninth and 12th, I would think. I don't think they'll be dragged into a relegation battle, although there's a number of teams still battling, and when you look at the table, there's there's not much of a gap between, say, 18th and 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 uh, 13th at the moment. But I, I think they've, like you said, the injuries have impacted them. There's been a couple of games where they've not quite been at the races. They were they were better at the weekend. Um, the speculation around Martin Braithwaite might not be here helping either. He's been linked with a couple of clubs during this January transfer window. They'll be hopeful that. He stays, especially with the goals he brings. Um, but I, I think with the full fit squad and against a non side that I thought did well against Angers um, before the break, and I, I thought that they showed signs of improving. I still think they don't look great at the back, which is maybe where Toulouse try and exploit them. Um, at home as well, Toulouse have been great at home this season. It's It looks like one of those ones where it's a quite easy for them to bounce back and, and really... Whether they'll hit the stride that they did in the early season and hit the thirds and fourths, that's not going to happen. But um, a good win against Nantes should really give them the confidence to uh, start piling the results together again. Because you're right, they did fall off the horse and, and sort of take their eyes off the ball. Uh, they maybe got a couple of too many pats on the backs and Pascal Duprat will be on them like a hawk straight away again. So I, I don't imagine them sliding, that slide being irreversible. I think that they'll that in this one especially, they'll they'll get back on track. All right, let's speak about both these clubs' transfer needs. Adam, we'll come to you about Nott. Uh, Pardo is in, Nikolai Thompson's out, and Nott have been linked with at least another three three players. Uh, the club has also been connected with the, the Doyon Player Investment Agency, so that is uh, a somewhat Mendez-like uh, operation that, that uh, you know, 
perhaps has links that are a little bit too strong with the club to, to bring players in, maybe over the odds. Monaco have had some issues, and as have Valencia, with players being brought in, there can be good connections fostered, but there can also be players that are brought in at disastrous fees and mm. don't really work out. You can think of the likes of uh, Helder Costa, uh, Fabio Contrao has been good examples of those at Monaco. And, yeah. Uh, Valencia's, all Valencia's current squad, maybe. No, but I, I joke. Uh, talk about the <laughs> effect that could have on Nantes and what else Nantes might need in this window, since there does apparently be, seem to be money to spend. Uh, yeah, um, I think, first of all, I think if that partnership does does work out, you know, they give them a lot of access to, to, to good a good standard of player. I think it's important to remember that we talked about Valencia and, and Monaco in that, in that in, in, as you mentioned there before, that Nantes are not the, the, the level of those two by any means. So someone like Helder Costa, although perhaps did not work out at Monaco, that, that, sort of, that, that, that sort of group of players, perhaps, if they can have access to the pool of those that George Mendes has, you know, he's got, seems to have endless supplies of players like that, that that could really benefit a team in Nantes' position because they're not the strongest in terms of squad. They've got a very, Kansas House said when he joined, it's a very young team. And a lot of players have come through from the youth system. Their only real big, like, you know, name is Guillaume Gillet. And that, that, that's, you know, that's going a little bit, a little bit of a stretch. And for me, the best player seems to have been Amin Harit, who's come, come out of nowhere pretty much after the fantastic summer with the under-19s, uh, the French under-19 team. So I think that, that that's a helpful addition, that, that partnership, if, if it can produce one or two perhaps lone players that can get towards the end of the season. In terms of like, how they're going to strengthen their squad, I like uh, Pardo's a good signing. He's from Olympiacos. He has a Champions League experience, so that's that's unusual for, for this team. It's, he's adding to the to the experience of the squad. I, I hear that he's a, a terrible diver from our Portuguese analyst at, at Fabreda, so that's something to look out for. French referees won't take kindly to, to, to any diving, so interesting to see where that... I think he'll replace Eloki in the team on the right, who, who although is... Uh, is, is a solid performer, perhaps isn't the most consistent of, of wingers, at least in terms of what Conte Sound wants from him. He, he can make poor decisions and perhaps his delivery isn't, isn't always the best, so he'll probably slot in there. In terms of the rest of the squad, I think maybe they need another centre-back um, to, to support uh, Diego Carlos, who's very good. Gigi, Gigi's coming through and, and a good player. Vizcarno's perhaps a little bit too old, so I think they might perhaps need another centre-back in there. Um, and also, they, they need a striker. They need, they need someone who's going to score the goals, but that's kind of the same. You could say that for pretty much every team in the league. But whether they whether Andy Dwyer is going to go to non, he's he's going to be the man on everyone's everyone's lips at the moment in terms of uh, the, you know a striker that's available and that wants to come back to France uh, would be unlikely given the, the links of teams like Sanetien. So I think it's trying to it's almost taking a bit of a gamble on a striker. Perhaps what they should have done in the summer and, and didn't really. I, I remember I wrote a piece for the site about possible possible targets that they could have gone for, and uh, Stepinski came in eventually and. Although he's a very good finisher, uh, he, 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 that's all he is. He doesn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't drop deep, he doesn't hold up play, he doesn't play others in. He's, he's an out-and-out goal scorer. And in Ligue 1, you're not going to get enough chances for, if you're, to, to make that you know, a worthwhile position in, in, the, in the 11, if you like, because he's just simply not going to get enough chances for him to be a worthwhile, worthwhile addition. So they need to, he's going to offer a little bit more than that. So hopefully, um, I think the worst stocks in the field, hopefully they can, they can sign a, a forward that will complement Salah, who's actually played quite well under... Under uh, under Conte Sal, which in that four four two, which I, I quite like, quite suits them. So goals is uh, is a watchword for them as it has been for a while. All right, Nathan. Briefly on Toulouse, they've had sort of a mixed wind uh, summer window. Adson uh, Edouard definitely has not worked out. Jimmy Dermas has looked decent. Uh, Christopher Christopher Julien's been excellent. Uh, Will Toivonen 
probably on the lower end of the scale. They've been linked with the likes of Benjamin Jano. Is there anybody you'd like to see this club bring in, or what are the priorities for Toulouse? Well, from the looks of things from their point of view, they're looking to bring in another striker. I mean, they know the fact that they've probably just pretty much got Braithwaite and, and Toivonen on their books, really. So they looked at Kevin Berrigal. He's gone on loan to Angers. They've looked, like you mentioned, at Benjamin Giano. They supposedly had a €1 million Euro offer for him rejected. So strikers looking for where they're going because I, I think they're worried about losing Martin Braithwaite, whether that's in this month or or in the summer, they're a little bit fearful that um, clubs are starting to circle around him a bit. Now he's improving with Wissam Ben Yedigon. They've also all looked at Abdul Kamara, who's at Derby, formerly of uh, Angers as well. Is he someone maybe that would add something to this team? Yeah, I, I think it'd be interesting to add sort of an attacking winger to this side and, and add more of a threat from out wide. I think they're maybe a little bit, looking at the squad again, the midfield is maybe a little bit narrow, a lot of their good midfielders are a very inward kind of player. So maybe adding a bit of width might be an interesting point, but they'll be relatively comfortable with their squad as long as they don't lose anyone. You've mentioned Julian's had a terrific season. I think the defence is solid with him and Nisa Diop. They've got a good goalkeeper. Again, it's, it's, it's where they want to be. I think if they can just maybe add one or two players that can improve them, like, like the likes of Kamara, that will be a good player, both for the first team and, and for, for next season as well, and keep them where they are. That's probably the best for them this this window because they just don't want to lose anything at this time. I think if you lose someone like Martin Braithwaite and and can't find a good enough striker to replace him, that's a real worry, and that could drop them down the table. But they're looking in the right areas at least of of trying to bring a couple more in. But whether that happens again, tough one. But the striking options at least is probably the best for them at the moment. All right, moving on now to uh, Mets and Nice. Mets put in, I think, a pretty good performance against PSG. Good spirit, especially considering their absences. Uh, nice have just won just once in five matches. They're a little bit of a slide for uh, Les Aiglons. And Nathan Jean, Jean-Michel Serri and, and Bellon, Eunice Bellander are looking like huge misses due to Africa Cup of Nations and injury, respectively. Uh, given the pace of the likes of Pereira, the Samba, and Dalbert, should Nice try not to play with so much possession and hit teams on the counter? I know Mets might not be the best opportunity to start doing that, but is a changed philosophy perhaps a, a way to keep their heads above water in the title race? Possibly, but this becomes the point of uh, whether teams will allow them to do that in a strange way, especially a team like Mets. You've already mentioned it might be difficult against them because Mets are going to sit back and uh, make Nice play football. That's probably going to be the issue going forward is can they just give up possession and hope teams allow them to hit on them on the counter? That's a strange one. I'm, I'm, in their position, they tend you tend to be more dominant teams and you tend to have more possession. Playing a counter-attacking game is maybe something they can look to do if they spring a surprise on a couple of teams, but they've got Mets now. I'm just going to quickly look through their fixtures in the next couple of weeks. They've got Bastia coming up. They've got Gangon. Maybe that might be someone. Monaco in a couple of weeks, they could play the counter on them, but it's... It it's a tough one because teams are going to sit back on them and make them come at them with the form they're in. Um, so yes, while it be used, they have a lot of pace in that side. It's probably best to try and stick to what they're doing. You've got good replacements at least. I mean, Seri is a big miss, but having someone like Cosiello to call on is it's a, a luxury not everyone is afforded. At least Belhonda is probably. A, a bigger miss because he's a bit more awkward to replace. Um, whether you move Cyprian further forward, 
I'm not, and then maybe move or move Losamba into that position. I'm not so sure. Depends on what they decide to do with that. That's the more interesting replacement for me. But um, they're in a good position. I, I think they should. I think they should stick with what they're doing because it's working against a team like Mets. They go, they're going to sit back regardless because they'll take a point if if Nisa is simply going to sit back and and hope that they play against them. But um, keep going with what's working, even if players are out and. They're linked with a couple of players. If they can bring someone in to maybe fill the gap for Bell Honda for the time being and keep everyone fit, then uh, keep doing what's working. I think, and, and Favre will know that that they should just go with what the what's really got them in there in the first place. I think. All right, Adam. Mets have been hit really hard by Afcon with uh, Sergeant Guess and Ismail Asar and George Monjek going out, and uh, well, they gave a good performance against PSG. Is there something to suggest another quote-unquote upset is in the works against Isaglone, or are Mets just simply too poor defensively? I think I think that's their key their key issue at the moment. With they are poor defensively. Um, I think the main issue though there is they lack kind of defensive cohesion. I I, I don't know that they're the most well organised of sides. I, I I like a lot of their defenders individually. I think Follett's a good, a good player. I think Milan's solid enough. Um, Asuakoti's actually done all right surprisingly since he joined. Um, and they've got a couple of good value and Rivera are both decent. I like Procinurino as well. They've got good players. I just think that back four aren't, aren't, haven't gelled. And uh, there's a few players that have come up with from League 2. There's a piece of batches in there too. It's just a bit of a, a disparate group at the moment. I, and I think they're easily played through, which is, which is a, little bit, a little bit worrying from, from their point of view. But in terms of there being an upset, I, 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 I don't see it, I'm afraid. I think Mets... I think they started the season really well. I was saying in the, at the beginning of the season, I felt like they would have the best equipped to the promoted sides. But um, I, I think Philip Hinchberger said that after the incident against Leon with the firecracker and, and, and Lopez, that in the game against Bastia afterwards, he didn't recognise his team. And I think it can't be underestimated how much the whole incident has affected the club and the squad in particular. That a lot of the players came out very despondent after that, especially now that they've been docked two points and that game's going to have to be replayed. A game they were winning, remember, if you remember at that time. So it could be as much as a five-point swing in theory. So I think it's confidence is their issue at the moment and that they're struggling to recover from that. They've been even poorer since since that since that incident and the fact that, that the end of the, the ground where the, the particularly vociferous uh, fans sit has been closed until further notice will be a big blow to them too so I think they're in really in real trouble but not necessarily for talent reasons that I think they're perhaps disorganized and down on confidence so it's a mental issue to some extent at the moment I don't I don't see any hope for them against against Nice this weekend who I because I would love to see them win the league I, I hope Nice will continue their great form but unfortunately for Mets I think they've got a long way to go before they can be as confident as they were perhaps three or four games in, into the season after a good start. So uh, I think they're one of the favourites to finish in the bottom three now. So there's a, there's a lot of work to be done for Mets. And I, I, I don't see them giving, uh, giving Nice much, much of a run for their money this weekend. A, a lot to do on, on the mental side for Hinchberger going forward, I think. All right. Uh, you know, I realize we've forgotten to actually do our predictions about these matches. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good point. Let's. Uh, my apologies. Let's let's go back briefly and do that. Uh, so for Lille versus Saint Etienne, I'm gonna go nil nil. All right, Nathan. I'm going to go one one. Okay, and I'll go for a one nil Saint Etienne win. 
CTA. Okay. And for uh, uh, Toulouse versus not. Oh, I'm gonna, one I, nil. Sorry, sorry, Nathan. Off you go. I was going to say one nil to lose. Were you going to say no? I was going to. I was going to say to lose as well, but I'll go two <laughs> one to lose then. <laughs> okay. All right, and I'll go for a one one draw, and then uh, Angers versus. Uh... Oh, sorry, and and then sorry, the match we've just been speaking about, uh, Mets versus Nice. I'll let you go first, Adam. Okay, uh, 4-0 Nice. 3-1 Nice. All right, I'll go for a 2-2 uh, draw. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we had that last match. I thought Mets looked great, personally, yesterday against PSG. They had a good effort. Ariella had to make a couple of really nice saves. Uh, I don't think that that should be uh, underestimated. They, Renal Kohad had, a, I think, a decent match uh, playing in a deeper role than he usually did, but I think that there was a, there was a lot to to like about the way Nice played yesterday. Continuing from set pieces is frustrating, but I I like as uh, you rightly mentioned there, Adam, the acquisition of Diabate, Fallo Diagne, uh, late of Ren has also been brought in on loan as a as yeah. cover at center back. I, I think that's a a canny sign. He's someone who's indecent in Liga, uh, so I think there could be something to this club. I I mean relegation is a worry for the rest of the season, but I think that it's it's been a decent start. You're right about Coad. I think he's one of the few sort of shining lights so far. He's really fighting. He's a really combative player. I really like watching him. I think he's a, a big, big part of them if they're going to stay up. All right. And then uh, speaking now about Angers hosting Bordeaux, uh, Angers have tried to be more positive this season, but Adam, Bordeaux are in good form going forward. How should uh, Angers manager Stéphane Moulin approach this philosophy-wise? Should they sit back or should they try and be more more proactive with their new attackers and Berigio and Jonathan Bamba, the two long signs. I, I, it's, it's, again, it's, it's the one that formation is something that, that um, Stefan Mullen's going to have to consider going to this game because he's experimented now that um, uh, Johan Andro um, is, is out. Is, it's, one, it's either Andro or Monzo, I get confused. It's Andro, yeah. He's been uh, injured Andrew, for the rest yeah. of Yeah. He's been injured. He's going to be injured for the rest of the season and they've been a bit unlucky with, with knee injuries. <laughs> they've got three now, three ACLs. So he's experimented with three at the back, which. I, I I don't know is the way to go uh, going forward, especially I think their their first eleven, which is now a little bit more depleted with Kekke or Billy Kekke Fonfone, is a, a really underrated player in my opinion. Out, obviously he's been out for a while, but he's joined you know Monza's jo uh, Andrew's joined sort of that group of injured players. I don't know if it's the way to go in terms of it gets the best out of their team. That four three three is really well organised. Their front first eleven are all very very good players. They work really well as a unit. So I think it may just be. Uh, a, a sort of a case of keeping that formation, keeping the best players in their best positions like Mongani and Ndoy and De Haider and, and Tal Koko Okambi when he comes back from the African Nations Cup and, and, and just filling the gaps. So I, I also think that although he's going to need it, he's going to need extra strength. You mentioned Berigo and, and Jonathan Bamba there a little bit. I don't know that they're an improvement. I think they're going to be... I've never been a huge fan of Berigo and I like Jonathan Bamba, but I don't know that he's going to be... Um, a replacement for someone like Togo Kambi, who I'm a big fan of, or Nic Nicola Pepe as well. So I think they're going to be support. So I'd like to see them keeping that 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 four three three and perhaps slotting slotting someone in at, at, at fullback and just trying to keep their play their own game because I think their own game when they're on it is still very very good. They've had some poor form recently, but 
when Angers are on form, they're honestly one of the most interesting sides to watch in, in league, and they keep the ball brilliantly well. The midfield midfield three are, are all fantastic on the ball. Mangani is one of my favourite players in league when he's on form. He's brilliant, and they've got some real pace in, in wide areas, and De Haley's a really good um, sort of focal point and can score goals. So I think keep that 4-3-3 and do your best to fill the gaps for now and reassess the end of the season. All right, Nathan, Bordeaux picking up a little bit of form uh, since they switched to this 4-3-3. Uh, the opportunities given to the likes of Valentin Vada and Gaetan Labor are starting to pay off. Are the young players on this team mature and capable enough to push the club up the table, or should the more veteran likes of uh, Jeremy Menez and I know Diego Redline is still young, but he's someone who's been in Ligue 1 for a while. Uh, how, how should Jocelyn Gorvanek approach the rest of the season, especially given the way these young players have come on in the last week or so? Keep going with what's working. <laughs> I mean, this, this this Bordeaux side in the first half of the season where um, a lot of we mentioned it in the in the award show that they were poor, and a lot of people think they're poor, and they were dabbing between average to drab to absolutely appalling, really. And I mentioned uh, myself that I thought Jeremy Menez has been a real disappointment. So I would like to see him at the moment, at least as far away from that first team as possible, unless you're needing someone in the last 20 minutes to run around a little bit. I've been really impressed with when they've moved to this 4-3-3 with Varda and Laborde. I think Varda's a really interesting player, really growing into that role in midfield. I think he's he's decent on the ball. I think he's uh, breaks up play nicely as well. And that's really sort of the kind of thing that Bordeaux's been missing. They haven't had someone that's sort of the combination between that defence and attacker. And Laborde is really showing that he can score goals at this level. I mean, that he scored a couple... Was it, did he score two against um, in midweek against, in, against yeah, Gamble? Yeah, he scored yeah, a double. Two, yeah. yeah, so I, I think he's he's really starting to show little glimpses of what he can do. I think he's been forced to the side from a good start to the season because of the names in that side, like Diego Roland, like Menez. I think they should give him a chance. I think he's shown every time he's been on the field that he's given a little bit of something extra to Bordeaux. Why not give someone that's scoring goals for you against a good side in Gangomp and Gangomp played their full strength squad? Why not give him a chance? That's the strange thing. And him and, and Varda and some of the other young players as well, give them a go. I mean, Kamano started the game and I thought he, I think in the last couple of games of the season, he played quite well for one of the only really players that performed an acceptable level really for Bordeaux and st- I always think that you should roll with what's working well and if those young players are working well I don't care if they've not got the experience of the others I don't care if they've not really shown at least on a consistency level because they've not played enough games I, I think you you roll with what's working and Gorvanek needs to learn that a little bit because this this team has been so inconsistent in the first half of the season try these other players get, especially when you're given such a clean start with a winter break if they're working well against a good team like that, give them a go. This is a real game where they can pick up some points on, Jay. Again, I mentioned that game against Nantes. They were awful in that game, absolutely awful. And um, if they're still trying to embed some Intaki players, if they're still worried about Pepe possibly being sold as well with a number of clubs putting bids in, um, take them. Take them while you can and, and hopefully they can build on that and push towards those European places. But... While that might seem a little bit unlikely, um, although the table is still pretty close, um, give it a go. Give it a go with these young players, yeah, certainly. All right, let's get score predictions. Uh, Nathan, we'll start with you. Uh, 2-0 border. Okay. And Adam? 
Uh, one each. Okay. I'll go for a scoreless draw. All right. And then moving on to our last match to discuss, and we'll also work in something that's been quite the topic on Twitter today for those of you who have Twitter accounts. Uh, or even if you don't, just in, in the news in general, there's been pieces on just about every major English publication about, and that's Dimitri Payet. So we'll preview the match and then speak a little bit of his situation as well. Uh, obviously, the big match of the weekend. Uh, Nathan Monaco have looked really out of sorts mentally. Uh, is this a is this a good time to play them, especially with Marseille being un undefeated at home this season? Uh, absolutely. I think when you look at them against Sochaux, they were. A a little bit out of sorts, like you mentioned, and and they went behind and they maybe got a lucky goal to get back in it. And even in penalties, they were a little bit lucky at the end. Uh, I suppose that, that they could have gone a lot longer if um, the final penalty taker kept his composure a little bit better. But um, I think, especially with the role that they were on before the winter break, and yes, it, it was uh, there was a defeat to end it that maybe stuttered them a little bit. But um, I think with that break and that that moment to rest and bits like that can sometimes unsettle teams that are in great form. So um, I think it's a great time to face Monaco, especially as it's not settled that players are, are in the headlines because of the forms they've got. I mean, Bakayoko has been linked with Manchester United again and Chelsea, especially with Schneiderlin moving on. They might be moving forward to hope that they can snatch him before the Stamford Bridge Club come in. So... Bits like that might unsettle them a little bit. Are they maybe relaxing a little bit, knowing there's a bit of time before the Champions League kicks back in again and they go on a roll there? I don't know. I think it's the ideal time to play them, especially for the Marseille team. Like you say, they're unbeaten at home. Um, they're playing really good football to end the season. They're on a real high with, like you mentioned, the, the Pae situation, possibly with him coming back. That will be a massive boost to this club. Um, I think that it could be a really good time for Marseille to play them, certainly. All right, Adam, what about Marseille? What is this team ceiling? We've seen a drastic upturn in form from the likes of Florian Tovan. Uh, Maxime Lopez is nominated for the Player of the Month last season. He's been a revelation since being included in the team. Uh, the team is better to watch. Hiroki Sakai has had an upturn in form as well. What is this team ceiling this season? It's a, it's a really exciting thing, I think. For this, it's probably the most one of the most interesting parts of the second half of the season is what, what's going to happen with Marseille. Where are they going to finish? I think ceiling-wise, I don't think they're going to. There's not any chance of them breaching the top four, unfortunately. But I could see them finishing. Honestly, could see them finishing fifth and snatching Europa League if one of those top four teams finishes in, in, with the cup. So I, I think they're definitely a club as you mentioned not on the up I think you know Rudy Garcia is a, a great managerial appointment they, they almost got quite lucky to get him given that the Roma thing kind of disintegrated a little bit and he was a it was kind of the, the right man at the right time sort of thing and it's a really great appointment we know what, what a good manager he is in this league having won it with Lille previously so I think it's it's really exciting going forward if they were to sign Pyatt as, as you mentioned that would be a huge thing for them and um, given how, how good a player he, he is and you, uh, alongside Florian Tovan who was actually captaining the side um, last week which was quite a surprise big big turnaround for him he's still only 23 which is quite amazing you think about it. he's been around for a, a long time and when he was sort of getting slagged off a match of the day by Alan Shearer and you know he looked a bit sort of cocky and a bit sort of wayward and he's been brilliant in the last couple of months so for, for Marseille I think you know, this season fifth. Next season, they could be back amongst the, the the Champions League places if 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 they make the right signings and really Garcia continues to develop this team. So, thank goodness Marseille are on the app again because I think they're almost like a barometer for French football sometimes. When 
they're doing well, French football does quite well. So uh, I, I like the fact that they're they're improving again. So hopefully this season they can they can you know build on their they're a good start, and next season they can push on. So perhaps back in Europe next season, who knows? All right, so let's get our score predictions before moving to talk. We're going to talk about Pae. Uh I'll start with this one, like giving you guys the chance. Uh, I'm going to go with a one-one draw. Uh, Adam, two-one Monaco. Okay, and Nathan, three-two Monaco. Oh. All right, it's a, a big score there, but mm-hmm. I, uh, but we've seen both these teams fill the net this season, so not the most impossible to think about. Uh, so let's talk about Dimitri Payet. Uh, basically, is this a good move? Obviously, West Ham are frustrated. The players' reaction. We've seen a raft of pieces come out, including your own, Nathan. Uh, for those of you who haven't read your piece, do you want to just summarize uh, your thoughts on the player? Good move for Marseille. Good move for the player. Where are you at on this? <laughs> I think the, the people who've read it have... Uh... Thoroughly enjoyed it from the remarks on Twitter, it seems. Um, I think that they should let him go um, to Marseille. If a player's unhappy, there's not really a point of paying someone's wages to try and wait for them to move on or force anything out of that. Try and get the money you can for it, which I suggested a 25 million to 30 million, which I think is feasible for someone that turns 30 in March. Um, and uh, might, that might be disagreed by West Ham fans, but um, that's a good 15 million to 20 million profit that they got initially for him, which I think is pretty good. But um, I think he'd be a fantastic signing for Marseille. I think they need someone extra in that area. I think they play Clinton and G on that wide area. They're, they're obviously looking to pass on Roman Asandrini. I don't think, I personally think Remy Cabe is better as a number 10 rather than out wide. So he'd, he'd fit into that role really nicely. And someone of that quality you can't really turn down if you can get them. Um, he can create goals. He can score goals. We all know how good he is. And he could make a drastic difference to this team. As in, I think they could possibly push for fourth if one of those teams drops off in the second half of the season, should he join. Um, and, and I also mentioned in that piece that uh, fans in England obviously don't know Pai as well as as we do and, and the attitude that he's had in the past. Sentetien, he went on strike there to try and get a move to PSG. He went to Lille in the end. He only spent uh, about a season and a half at Lille before joining Marseille. It's not unlike him to want to move on to try and improve himself. He obviously sees West Ham not increasing the squad power in the summer, really. They brought in Andre Ayew, who's probably the biggest name that they really brought in. They didn't do anything really this season to improve. They've dropped off dramatically. They were embarrassed in the cup by Man City. They were, uh, frankly, I've seen them play three times this season, at least, well, four times, I think. I've seen them three, play Manchester United three times, and in each three, other than the draw in the league, they were, and even in that one, they were poor in the second half, really, and were hanging on. So, I can see why Pae wants to make the move, although no one else in England will for some reason, um, simply because it's well, it's French football, isn't it? So it's <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And, and there is reports that his family is not particularly settled in London either. That's why another reason he wants to move. And maybe this could have been handled a bit more admirably by Billich. I know people are patting him on the back for um, saying a player doesn't want to play anymore, but maybe this could have been a bit more discreet. Uh, I don't know, but get moving on. Get let West Ham have the money to try and do something in the meantime, get him back to Marseille and, and let's start getting back to football. Adam, your your thoughts on the Pi situation? Good move for the club, good move for the player. 
Um, I, I, I don't know if it was the move that Dimitri Payet would have been expecting after that goal he scored against Romania at the Euros. So at, at that point, he was, you know, one of the sort of hottest properties in the Premier League. And Belich was joking on on the, on the TV coverage that you know that he'd be selling into Real Madrid. And so I don't know that it's necessarily what Payet would have would have expected. So I don't know if it's the best move he could have hoped for, if you like. For Marseille, it's amazing. If they could sign him, it'd be absolutely brilliant. It'd be great for the league as well. So I'd love to see him back at Marseille. But whether it'll happen, I, I don't know. I can see Billich digging his heels in. I, I, I read somewhere, I think it was on BBC, that um, they've rejected a £19 million bid from, from Marseille, which, you know, I, given the, given his age, isn't isn't it too bad? I'm surprised Marseille have, have that amount of money to spend on, on a player as well. So it'd be great for Marseille if they can afford it, but for Payet... Um, it, it, given the age he's at, you'd have to expect him to get into a territory where this is somewhere he's going to be spending, a, you know, most of the rest of his career. So, is it the is it the move that he wants to make? Is it the move he hoped for, or will be will we be in a similar situation in eighteen months' time when he's if he does move to Marseille and he's already fed up with it and he wants to go? He's played well in Ligue 1 and PSG won him. Is he then digging in for another another move? So, definitely great for Marseille, but whether it will work out in terms of Dimitri Payet, whether it's what he really wants or whether it would pan out is, is a big question. I'd love to see it happen and see how it goes, but lots of questions on, on the players' part for that for now. I, I think for myself, I think that this is the wrong move. I think that if Marseille are going to make a marquee signing, it should be in a position of need. Uh, I, I know that Angers is, is only on loan and you know perhaps isn't, isn't an ideal player in that situation anyway, but I think that Building for the future, uh, Marseille need to make make a more holistic approach to this project. And I think if you're going to spend 20, 30 million euro on a player, I think that someone like a Jordan Amavi makes a lot more sense. Uh, he's a player who has, you know, had struggled with injury and struggled with uh, Aston Villa's own situation uh, in, in the recent past. I know Villa are doing a little bit better since the hiring of Steve Bruce, but uh, I think that a move like that is more makes more sense. I think that Paye uh, helps the club in turn would help Marseille if he made the move in terms of visibility and a commitment to a big name. But in terms of on the pitch and future development at his age, uh, that is almost thirty. I don't necessarily think he's the best move for Marseille. And I, I think that he should uh, again. He should. I think personally, he should work things out with West Ham or maybe try and find another move in the Premier League. I think that. Uh, with his level of talent, he's certainly uh, capable of playing at a at a quote unquote Champions League level. Uh, maybe he could find that somewhere somewhere else in one of the bigger leagues, or uh, be a substitute for one of the one of the top four in, in England, whoever that may be, come the end of the season. But I'm not sure that a move to Marseille is necessarily the best thing uh, for Marseille. For the player, great if he wants to become the the, the figurehead of this revival, but. The fact of the matter is players in his position don't tend to have outstanding careers past the age of 32, 33. Playing a fee for, that kind of, for a player in that position just seems a little bit too risky of a gambit for me at this point in time. I'm, um, I'm just going to quickly say that I think Marseille probably see it as their Ibrahimovic from PSG's moment, as in this is the marquee sign, this is our statement of intent. We all know how good this player is. He's joining us even though he could he could feasibly join bigger teams come join Marseille in their project. I think that's why they're desperate to get him in the door. Hmm. And one brief coda here. Marseille have also been linked with Didier Drogba. Are we, what are we just to think about hmm. that? Too old, not worth it. Perfectly wow. summed up, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. I, don't know. I, I think he, I think it would be it'd be fun if nothing else, right? I mean, yes. he's he's he's. I know he was it was last season. It was in the MLS, but he was still scoring goals, and he's still a, he's still a great character. So if he did, he was to return, even as like support for Gomez, it'd be great fun. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I would tend to agree with that. So uh, that is all for today. Uh, we will be back next week to round up the. Uh, the predictions. Sorry again about the mix-up there. Uh, we will be have updated standings and more predictions for you next week as we look forward to match day twenty-one. Uh, be sure to follow us at GFFN on Twitter and at GFFN Match Zone for the latest uh, coverage uh, for Adam White and Nathan Staples. I've been Eric Devin. Thank you for listening. <laughs>